0: Hey, good morning, you guys. Good morning, good morning, good morning. I hope you're doing great on this Sunday morning, and I hope the Lord is working and doing amazing things in your life. We are talking about getting in the game. We've been on this topic now for uh, several weeks, about uh, two months, actually, and today is our final, final message in this series called Getting in the Game. I hope you are more in the game today than you have ever been. I hope you are more aware, more conscious of what God is doing around you and in your life and through you and where he's brought you and where he wants to take you. That's more important than anything. It's not where you've been, but like where are you going? Where is God taking you? And are you in the game on the field serving the Lord? We talked about the big picture, right? The big picture the first two sermons were about two teams. God's team, Satan's team, the world's team, all, anything outside of what is God's and a commitment in faith to Jesus Christ, anything outside of that is the other team. There's only two teams. And we've been talking about the nuts and the bolts the last bunch of weeks. Uh, in the game, on the field, when you're, when you're going at it, you're grinding away. You're trying to serve God. You're trying to reach the world. You're trying to live your faith. You're trying to honor God in the way that you walk on the earth. You know, the nuts and the bolts of living on this earth for the Lord. And so we're going to wrap up the series. Got a little test for you real quick. Real quick. Uh, of the nuts and the bolts sermons that we talked about. First of all, we said Esther was willing to do what? What comes at a price? Great teams need what? We play by what? And last week, sharpen your blank. So take a second, figure them out. The first one is Esther was willing to take one for the team. Remember Esther, willing to lay down her life to save her people. What comes at a price? What comes at a price? Freedom to choose God comes at a price, right? Our freedom to be able to shift onto God's team came at a price, and the price was the blood of Jesus, and in the blood of Christ, and through Jesus, we can enter onto God's team and be free. We can be free. Great teams need great captains. That's what great teams need. Be one of God's great captains on the earth. And the the fourth one is we play by God's rules. We play by God's rules, not the world's rules. We play according to the word of God. This is God's rule right here. We believe it. We study it. We read it. We dig into it. We meditate on it. And we let it soak into our mind and into our heart. And we let it transform who we are because This is the word of God, and it's the only thing that we have that we can read and study to understand the heart and the mind of God. The Holy Spirit helps us, the church supports us, and we go out and we live for God, but it's the word of God. We play by God's rules. And the last thing is sharpen your tool. Sharpen your gift. Sharpen your gift. That's what we need to continue to do. The nuts and the bolts of the game. Finally, when it comes to the nuts and the bolts of the game, here's the bottom line. The last thing I want to share with you on this sermon series is this. Our primary goal in the game, on the field, in our position is, can you guess what it might be? I'll give you a hint. I'm wearing it. Make Jesus famous. That is what we are striving to do. Make him famous in our life and then make him famous so that the world will come to know Jesus. Our primary goal is to make Jesus famous. Make him famous. I want to show you a little video. It's a six-minute video. I think you're going to love it. Just kind of take it in, listen to it, and um, Watch your volume here for a minute on your TV. As I get this thing going, let me start low and I'll bring it up. But watch this video and just be encouraged by the, the amount of people out there in the spotlight that are doing their best to make Jesus famous. Here we go. May you kingdom come, let my will be done, honor that I have to live in heaven, be he 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 to sin, and death, and the wrath, for me we should trust us, that we forgive those who are not against us, and be not in temptation,
1: but deliver what you the kingdom of power, power, teammates putting different eye blacks under their eyes and uh, they're putting like their mom's name or their area code under their eyes and so I started to think you know I I wonder if I could put something under my eyes that maybe could encourage someone or inspire someone so I was like well God bless I don't know and I was like well Philippians 4.13 I could do that you know, I can do all things through Christ strengthens me. I was like, that would be that be good for a football player. So I put it under my eyes. And as probably a lot of you know, Gator fans are very passionate, so four, five, six weeks later, they're selling it at the Gator bookstore at the Florida Library. <laughs> you have thousands of fans showing up to games, wearing Philippians 4.13 under their eyes, and I honestly believe half of them don't even know what it means. I had one guy, his name was Phil, come up to me and said, Hey, did you wear that under your eyes for me? <laughs> I was like, no, it's a Bible verse. <laughs> Jesus is better than anything that we could ever hope. Be. Even better than the Super Bowl, better than the NFL career. Is the Any NFL coach
0: supposed to say that? That anything is better than the Super Bowl? Don't Jesus, yeah. First Corinthians 10.31. Whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, so whether you eat or drink or play sports or watch sports. How do you do that to the glory of God? Particularly in a culture that idolizes sports in so many ways you pray you cover yourself. Yeah. So before the game, I pray at least four or five times before I step on the floor. That's awesome. And uh, just, yeah. just basically
1: just keeping me strong, you know, because yeah. there's so many, so many things that have been thrown at me right. on the court, off the court. And there's sometimes where I do fall, uh, but I always have to remember, you know,
0: what I stand for.
1: I gave myself to the Lord, wanted to be a Christian. 2004, when I got married, you know, I kind of went away from it. When I went to the University of Georgia. Uh, 2004, when I got married. Two months later, me and my wife, um, who grew up in the church, got baptized together. And then, um, and then I kind of went away from it again. But then it grew more into it when my, my cat yelled at me a little bit. And um, <laughs> so I've been stronger. I've been getting stronger in my faith and reading the Bible more and more. And uh, and then second, I got to thank uh, my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Today means so much more than than putting on the street jacket in many ways. All right, so technical glitch there from Augusta National, but we will bring you much more. As I was getting ready to run out of the tunnel, I really felt like God was putting in my heart to change the verse. I was like, really, right now? And, but I realized that if we won, we'd be playing a national championship on one of the biggest stages that I might ever get, and so that would be the right opportunity to change the verse. God kept bringing it to my heart and my head, John three sixteen, because it's the essence of our Christianity. It's the essence of our hope for God so loved the world He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. It's what gives us hope as Christians, so I decided to go with that. And
0: what goes into a streak to get you to the level you've been at over these last 12 games? What goes into that, Kevin?
1: Thank God. That's all I can
0: say. Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay,
1: thank you. You don't have nothing to do with it. No, uh, nothing. That's all him. Thank you. Bye. That's Jesus. Jesus has always been there. saved us. And Jesus is the only answer. In his name that we go out there and perform and compete and use the gifts he's given us in the right way. Steph Curry, fires away, Got it. Are you kidding me? There are priorities in life. And obviously your faith is first and foremost. I do a little sign on the court every time I make a shot. I make a good pass and I pound my chest and point to the sky. That symbolizes that i have a heart for god um, something that my mom and i came up with in college and, and i do it every time I'm, i step on the floor as a reminder of, of who i'm playing for and people should know who i represent and, and and why i am who i am and that's because of my lord and savior so i can't say that enough
0: i went back to the dress room and as i was walking back and forth to cool off started thinking who cares about a stinking boxing match when i got money i got cars i said i could re i could retire and die die I couldn't fight it it just started dominating my conversation i realized i was about to die in a dirty old dress room with all those homes i had right within my thoughts i heard the, i heard a voice say Do you believe in god why are you scared to die and give money to charity and for cancer and the voice answered me right back i don't want your money i want you and I remember tears coming down because I knew that was it. My leg gave out of me. And I said, "And I said, you just witnessed a miracle and you won't believe it. When well, they rushed me to intensive care, i lost a boxing match, but I was where I wanted to be in life. And I've been telling that story since.
1: Hey, Coach Meyer, can I talk to you for a second? He's like, yeah, how are you feeling? Your arm good, leg good? You ready for the game? I was like, yeah, I'm good. Um, you know the verse I wear in my He's like, yeah, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ. Strength is me. I love it. I I'm gonna change that verse tomorrow night. What? What are you talking about? You can't change that verse. That verse got us here. Uh, He get us here. So after a couple minutes of explaining it to him, he totally was supportive and understood. And honestly, after that, I didn't even really think about it. I just went out there and tried to win the championship game. We were blessed to win. And two days later, I was at Ballyhoo restaurant in Gainesville, Florida with me my mom, my dad, my aunt, and um, Coach Meyer. right? Some of you have been to Valley I was just sitting there eating a grouper and um, Coach Byer gets a call and he's like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. All right, bye. And I was like, was that? He said, that was Steve McClain. Here's our PR guy at Florida. So what do you have to say? He said, did you know that during that game, 94 million people Googled John 316? And honestly, my first thought was, how the heck do 94 million people not know John 316? <laughs>
0: Good stuff, isn't it? To make Jesus famous, and it's uh, it's so cool to see so many people trying to make Jesus famous, just to make him famous. Uh, Tim said, ninety four million people Googled John three sixteen during the championship game because he wore it under his eyes a simple little gesture like that that from a guy who's in the spotlight and 94 million people Google that passage of scripture. That's the littlest ways that we can make Jesus famous, but, but have such an amazing impact on people all around us. Believers all around the world are trying and striving To do this, to to make Jesus famous, because they know that on God's team, on the field, in the game, taking up your position means that we are going to broadcast in every possible way that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is God. He is our Savior. He is the one that's coming back for us. And that we all need him to, to, to forgive us of our sin and draw us close to him. I love when people in the spotlight, like these guys, use that platform to shine for Jesus. You know, they don't back down. And when the pressure's on or they get cut off, the TV cuts them off because they don't want to hear about their faith. They don't want to hear about Jesus. They don't care. They're going to talk about Jesus anyway. I love to see right now in the Olympics, these these champions from America and from other countries who are not afraid to say my Lord and my Savior got me through this, not in just some trivial way, but because they are living their lives for Christ and they're not afraid to tell the world that Jesus got them to where they are. That's making Jesus famous. And you know what, every one of us, no matter how big or how small you are, how old you are, how young you might be, every one of us have a platform. We all have people around us. You might not be in front of thousands of people. You might not be a professional athlete or a rock star, but you have people. We all have people around us and they are looking at us. There are people that you see every week, wherever it is you go throughout your town, your community, you see them and they are watching you. Our job is to lift up the name Of Jesus so that he gets all the attention because primarily because we understand that the world is lost and they are in need of a savior and only Jesus can save them only Jesus and so above money above all the other things in this world Jesus is what everybody needs. We don't all need to be rich. We don't all need to be athletes. We don't all need to to go out and invent something and become the next Einstein. But we all need Jesus. And those of us who have come to know Jesus have a responsibility to go and share Jesus with the world. Well, Peter and John, I want to share a little story out of Acts chapter three and four. You might want to turn there in your Bibles. I'm going to fly through Acts three and four. But Peter and John, they did this. They made Jesus famous. The setting is very simple. In Acts uh, chapter 3, Peter and John are going to the temple in the time of prayer. And they are doing, they're going around just like Jesus did. They're doing exactly what Jesus did. They're just going out and about. They're rubbing shoulders with people. And they're waiting for opportunities to present themselves. They aren't necessarily beating down doors and making opportunities happen. Although we should probably do that at times, but they aren't doing that. They're just, they're just doing what they're supposed to do. They're engaged with the community. They're out there on the streets and they're looking for opportunities to come their way, to make Jesus famous, right? To, to stand by doing what Jesus did. That's what they're doing. They're doing what Jesus was doing. Just like, just like we should be doing what Jesus was doing. Going out, rubbing shoulders, with people, And so they go to the temple at the time of prayer. And sure enough, there's this lame guy there. And he's sitting at the gate called Beautiful. And he's begging for money. That's all he can do. He can't move. He's been lame since birth. And that means he, he can't use his legs in any way. So he just sits there begging for money. Verse 6, Peter and John recognize him sitting there. And they proclaim to him that Jesus Christ is greater than silver or gold. They say, silver and gold we do not have, but what we have we give to you. And in that statement, they are saying God over money. God over money, because money represents everything in the world. Money, value, uh, gold and silver and all the, the items that we like to have, cars and boats and houses, all those things take money. God over money. They say, silver and gold, we don't have, but what we have, we're gonna give to you. And so they, uh, verses seven to 10, they, they heal this man. They take the man, Peter and John reach down, they pick him up by his hand and they help him to his feet and he stands up and his ankles are straight and his legs are straight and he is instantly healed through faith in Jesus Christ. The impact on the man is this, the man goes around, following them, jumping and praising God in the temple courts. All the people see this guy jumping and praising God, and they all realize this is a guy that used to beg outside the city gate. What in the world has happened to him? He's jumping, he's praising God, he's giving God the glory. He's giving all the attention to God where it, it should be. And the impact then on the people who now see this is that those who saw it were filled with wonder and amazement Because Peter and John are making Jesus famous. First to the one guy. And then God uses the miracle to the one guy to impact the entire city, all the people in the temple. Verses 11 to 16, Peter gives credit to Jesus. He says, it is Jesus who did this. Don't be surprised, he says, that God is able to heal. Why would you be surprised that God can heal? Of course God can heal. We did not do this, you know, in and of ourselves. Peter says, God has just used us. God is the one who did this. And so they proclaim the truth about Jesus and his father in heaven. And they are, and and then he tells them that the Jews, he says to the Jews that you are guilty of crucifying and executing the Son of God, the Messiah, you guys crucified this one that we're proclaiming about. But it's in the name of Jesus, and it's faith in Jesus, that person that you guys killed, that we proclaim, and that this man stands before you healed, completely healed. In verses 17 to 23, Peter and John, give them their only way out. The people are now listening, God used this one man to get the attention of the many. And now Peter and John are saying to them, there's only one way out of the mess that you are in, that you have created. And what Peter and John do is they remind the people there, they're Jews, they know the Old Testament, they know the scripture. He reminds them of the past. He he gives them a history lesson of the past. Verse 13, the God of Abraham he talks about, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And he says, has fulfilled what was spoken, God has fulfilled what was spoken through our forefathers and the prophets that the Messiah would come and that the Messiah would suffer. No. No. At this point, it is no longer about the lame man. He's he's in the story, but but the lame man, he's healed, he's excited, but they're not going to sit there and talk about the lame man He's the evidence of something bigger, something greater. And whatever God has put in your hands or in your presence or in your life, those are just tools, tools to be used for a greater purpose. And that is to make Jesus famous. And so Peter and John, they present the only plan of salvation to these men. And they say to them in verse 19, repent. Here's what you need to do. You crucified the son of God. He's the evidence right here that he is still alive and healing people. Our faith in him has done this. And here's what he says, repent and turn to God in chapter three, verse 19, so that your sins will be wiped out and that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. And then he says in, oh yeah, verse 23, this is painful. Anyone, anyone who does not listen to the Lord will be completely cut off from their people. See, Peter and John, they were not afraid. They didn't hold back the truth. They didn't pull punches just to not offend anyone. They simply said, look, in in all the boldness they can muster up, you either turn or you're going to burn. You either turn your life over to God or you are going to be completely cut off forever and ever and ever. In other words, you have been told. Jesus came and told. John the Baptist came and told. The prophets told. The forefathers told. Everyone has warned the the world, all of mankind, that if we don't get right with God, there is going to come a day where the sheep and the goats are going to be separated. And you're either going to turn now and go to God and face God and submit to God, or you are going to be separated from God for all of eternity. In verses 24 to 26, he says, you Jews, Peter and John say, you Jews claim that you are the recipients of all of God's promises. You know, you claim that you are the children of God. You are Israel. You are the Jewish nation. You are God's chosen people. That's what you claim. And he says, well, if that's what you claim, all of the prophets spoke about Jesus and these very days that are, we're living in right now, in the days of Jesus and all that happened to Jesus. And furthermore, your forefathers, Abraham, All the forefathers spoke of Jesus or the Messiah and these final days as well. And then Jesus came to you to turn you from your evil ways. But you have missed it all. You have ignored all that God is trying to do for you. You have dismissed Him. You have dismissed Him so that you can live. The way you want to live and the way that you want to live is not in line with the God of all creation who made us and sent his son Jesus to us. In chapter four, the first four verses, the religious leaders now, they come into the scene. Okay, up to now it's the lame man, it's Peter and John and it's the crowd. Peter preaches to the crowd. Now the leaders come. They're probably standing in the shadows. Now they approach Peter and John. And and guess what? They are greatly disturbed because they are hearing Peter and John preaching about Jesus. Now they thought they executed Jesus. He's gone. He was buried. And now they're preaching about Jesus After the the death, burial, and resurrection, and Jesus ascends into heaven. And now they're continuing to proclaim about Jesus, especially and the resurrection, that he is no longer dead, but he is alive. And that's what they're preaching. That is the heartbeat of the message, is that our Savior died and rose from the dead. He is no longer in the grave. He is alive forever and ever and ever. And eternal life is found only in him because he's the only one who has ever done this. And they are greatly disturbed and they seize Peter and John and they put them in jail because they don't know what else to do. But the problem is, it's too late. The word has gone out. They're preaching Jesus and five thousand people who heard the message believe and come to know Jesus Christ as Savior. In verses 5 to 7, they questioned them more. In verses 8 to 12, Peter preaches now to them. And so God has used this one. John 3, 16, 94 million people Google. Peter and John go into the temple, heal this blind, lame guy. And now they've had the opportunity to preach to all the people in the temple. And now they're preaching to the religious leaders about Jesus. In verse 13 to 17, they see chapter 4, if you're following along, they see the great courage of Peter and John. And they note that these are just unschooled, ordinary men. These These are not scholars. These are not like Pharisees, these are not like people of uh, that have studied the scriptures. They just note that they have been with Jesus, and their wise and their knowledge and their power is unmatched. But they are astonished at these two because they knew that they had been with Jesus. And then there's this guy, and he's standing there, and he's completely. Healed. This is the guy that they knew was a beggar from birth. He's always been there begging. They go by him all the time. But now he's on his feet. He's healed and he's doing great. And because of that, they are silenced. They don't have an argument. They got nothing to say other than make up stuff. What will we do? And so they, they send Peter and John out of the room. And they talk among themselves, and they're, they're asking themselves, what are we going to do with these guys? Look at the crowds. The crowds are following them. They're, they're very, they, have, they are making Jesus famous, and because of it, we got to be careful what we do with them. So they decide, here's what we're going to do. We're going to threaten them. We're going to bully them and tell them they better stop talking about this Jesus. Knock it off. In verse 18, they call them back in, and they command them, to stop, stop preaching in the name of Jesus. And then in verse 19, verse 19 of Acts chapter 4, Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to listen to him? What's right in God's eyes for you and me? To listen to the world or to listen to God? What's going to be our choice? Peter and John are saying, look, we have a choice to make. You could kill us if you want or beat us or flog us or whatever you want. Nail us to a cross. You might could do that. But we have a choice to make regardless of what you do to us. And that is, are we going to listen to God or are we going to listen to people, to men? And every one of us have the same choice to make every day of our life. And look what he says. You be the judges as for us. For me and my house, Joshua said. As for us we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and what we have heard we cannot help talking about this Jesus who has changed our life so dramatically who has pointed us in the direction of heaven and given us hope beyond any riches of this earth we have a place with God Forever, There is nothing you can do to us on this planet that is gonna take that away or be more important than that. You can do what you want to us, but we are going to obey God and we are gonna speak up about him until the day we die. So in verse 21, they threatened them more, just like they said they would do, and they let them go. Because one, all the people were praising God and they couldn't deny that. And two, the man that they healed was standing right there in front of them. The religious leaders were stuck in their own pride. They were stuck in their own agenda and they were stuck in their own sin. Don't be stuck. Don't be stuck like them. So then these guys, Peter and John, what they do is they exemplify for us. They are perfect examples of how to make Jesus famous. That's what they show us, that that it can be done. That if you will be brave and you will be full of faith and you'll trust God and you'll just be out there, look for opportunities and then take them. And speak up for the Lord. God will do amazing things in your life. And and here's a word of warning to all of us. We need to brace ourselves. We need to brace ourselves. If you are going to stand tall in this world for Jesus, if you're going to draw a line in the sand and say, I will not participate in the sins of the nation any longer, when you decide you're going to do that, all these companies that are supporting anti-God stuff, all this this mess that this nation is moving toward and all of the companies that are supporting that agenda when you make a decision and say i am no longer going to support anyone or any company that is supporting the things that are completely against the things of god when you draw that line in the sand you will be targeted and you will be threatened you will it's coming be ready brace yourself stand your ground, and be ready to make him famous even if it's at your last breath, right? No matter what they may do to us, no matter what they take away from us, no matter where we end up, it doesn't matter. We're gonna hang on to Jesus and we're gonna make him famous with every breath that we have. That's what Peter and John were doing. That's what so many others have done, made him famous. You guys remember uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego back in the Old Testament? Remember, they they made God famous, and they had to go through fire to do it, literally fire to do it. Remember the king made an edict that you will, he got tricked into making this edict against these little Jewish boys, Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, and the king made an edict that when the music sounded, you will bow down and worship the statue that Nebuchadnezzar had erected that looked like him. And uh, so when the music plays, you guys will bow down and you'll worship that statue and everyone in the kingdom does, but not Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. They say, uh, no thanks. We're not gonna worship anything. We're not gonna worship any God or any statue or anything else other than the God of heaven who made us who we worship. We will worship him and him only. And their attitude is basically like this. You can throw us into a fiery furnace if you want. We don't care. But we want you, king, and all your little leaders who deceived you, and we want the whole Babylonian uh, uh, empire to know that we will not worship that statue because our God is able to deliver us. Our God, listen to that faith. They say to the king, in the face of death, our God is able to deliver us. Oh, if we just had a little bit of that faith in this world, right? If we just had that boldness to stand before people and just speak up for the God who is able to deliver us. But then they go on to say, but even if God doesn't choose to save us, even if God allows us to perish in the furnace, we will worship him anyway to the very last breath we will worship him that is the most powerful mindset with the most faith that we will ever see on the planet this is the ultimate this this illustration and some others are the ultimate in making God famous in the very midst of death and threat and punishment they stood up they stood tall and they spoke up for the god of all creation the god that they serve you and i we're not we're not even being asked to do that today we're we're not like under threat yet i think it is coming we live in a pretty peaceful opportunity to share the good news with very little threat on us at all And what God did for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is he saves them. He saves them. And here's the impact of their faith. If we will show faith, here's what God will do. The entire Babylonian empire, they get thrown into the fire furnace. The fire doesn't bother them. The heat doesn't bother them. The king and the leaders look in and they see them standing there. And there's another one in the fire with them. God is with them or an angel is with them in the fire. And and the king calls them out of the furnace. And they come out. They don't smell like smoke. They aren't singed in any way. And the king realizes he'd been tricked by these other uh, nobles and wise men in his kingdom. And so he throws all of them into the fiery furnace. And they perish. And then he makes an edict that the whole kingdom, the whole Babylonian empire, will now worship the god of Shadrach, Meshach. And Abednego. What an amazing, powerful story of how God can use people who are faithful to him, who are striving to make him famous. And that's what they did. God saved them. And all of the people in the, in the land now worshiped the God of those guys. Our God, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the, the maker of heaven and earth. God. The father of Jesus and the Holy Spirit, that God. You know, creation, creation makes him famous. The trees make him famous. Isaiah said, you will indeed go out with joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song before you and all of the trees of the field will clap their hands. This is, a, this is a description of creation. Creation itself praises God. John the Baptist, John the Baptist said, He must increase or he must become greater, and I must become less. I must decrease. He over I. He must increase, I must decrease. That's where we get this he is greater than me he is greater than i god is so much greater than i he must be lifted up he's the one that needs to be like put on the throne and all the attention needs to go to him and you and i we know people we know lots of people out there in the world ordinary human beings just like you and just like me who are full of faith many of them going on to college campuses to share the good news with college students trying to make Jesus famous. We have brothers in Haiti and in Mexico and in Jamaica and all around the world trying to make Jesus famous. We know people going into local schools trying to make Jesus famous in the public school setting. We know family and friends going into strip clubs who are trying to make Jesus famous. We know people who go into prisons and into the inner cities and into soup kitchens and the homeless shelters trying to make Jesus famous. We know some who fly people all over the jungle, missionaries to new, new tribes so that they can preach the gospel so that they can make Jesus famous. We know these people, I know these people who are doing this very thing. So many others are out there trying their best to make Jesus famous. Why not you? Why not me and why not you? Why not us? What are we doing to make Jesus famous? We're talking about getting in the game. If we're gonna get in the game on God's team, taking up our position, our number one goal is to make Jesus famous. Are we doing that? Are we doing that? Well, I want to reflect on Hebrews 11 as we wrap this up. Hebrews 11, people just like you and just like me who love God so, so very much. Just listen to these verses as I read them, look at them, and take note that these are ordinary people who did extraordinary things because their eyes and their faith were on God. Check this out. All these people, Hebrews 11, still living by faith when they died Till their very breath, their very last breath. They were living by faith. They were making God famous till the day that they died at the stake or wherever they died. They did not receive the things promised. This is long ago in the Old Testament before Jesus came. We have the Old Testament. We have Jesus. We have it all. These people were living before Jesus came, the first time. So they only had what God was doing in the Old Testament. So they hadn't received everything. We have. We've received it all. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them, and they welcomed them from a distance. They spoke about the Messiah, but they never got to see him, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on the earth. That's what they saw. That's how they saw themselves. We don't belong here. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. This is incredible. These are faithful people who realized that this world was not our home and the stuff of it was junk. And they held on to God, making him famous to the very end of their life. If they had been thinking of a country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return, like Abraham could have went back to his homeland. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. <laughs> That's what they're looking forward to. They're looking forward to a better city, one made out of gold. <laughs> and they were going to live on this earth in these rags, in these, this, this, this place that was overtaken by Satan and his demons, But they were going to live in this world with their eyes on heaven. And they were going to make Jesus famous in this world so that other people would come to know the God of all creation as much as they possibly could. In verse 32, and what more shall we say? You should read all of Hebrews 11. I do not have time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah. About David and Samuel and the prophets. Who, through faith, conquered Kingdoms administered justice and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury fury of flames, that's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead race to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released, so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. And this is the truth right here. And this is what the truth should be of you and me as as followers of Jesus Christ on this earth, the world Was not worthy of them. This world is not worthy of anyone who holds on to Jesus with everything in them. Pointing everyone that you possibly can to Jesus. Living every day of your life to serve the God of all creation, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Living your life on the team, on the field, in the game, taking up your position to make Jesus famous. They all perished, making Jesus famous to the very end, to the very last breath that they had. They loved God more. They loved God more than anything. And they lived it out. And they died because of it. What about you? And what about me? What about us? How are we making Jesus greater? How are we making Jesus famous? You know, being on the team, being in the game, being on the field, and taking up your position means making Jesus known, making him famous to everyone and anyone you come in contact with. Your family, your friends, your workmates, people you, you see at the bank, people you see at the grocery store, everyone in your circle of life, your sphere of life, making Jesus famous to everyone go into all the world and make Jesus famous, make him famous. Get in the game, get in the game. I pray that that we will take steps toward getting in the game more so today than we ever have. And we'll find out what God wants to do in our life and through us, and we'll get busy doing it. Because the day is coming when the heat is gonna get turned up against us. And the day is coming that Jesus is gonna come back and time will be no more. And then it'll be too late. So before that day gets here, let's get busy serving God in the game. Father, use us for your glory. Please empower us through your spirit Guide us with your word, your truth, and help us, Father, to get out there and serve you like there's nothing else to do in this world. God, we love you so much. Use us for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Have a great.